Hi, this is Steve Addison and you're listening to the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today, we'll hear from Andy Campman in Austin, Texas, about how local churches are mobilizing for movements. My wife and I's background is in college ministry, and uh, you know that was probably more just pure disciple making. And uh, and and met a guy that started talking about movements. He put that little thin, uh, you know, book in my hand. Uh, David Garrison's Church Planning Movements, the little thin one, and yeah. uh, and then also took perspectives at the same time. Started learning about the unreached, and then how the unreached are being reached through movements. And at the same time, there's a guy actually with Frontiers, Nathan Lutz, who is going to Bangladesh to see some of these movements. And I just said, hey, can I carry your bags? Uh, and I won't say anything. I just want to take notes. I want to see it firsthand. I'm, I'm more of an experiential learner than maybe the more academic. And, and so he allowed me to come with him. And, uh, you know, we got to be there in Bangladesh and, and hut after hut. You know, I can remember one time in particular sitting on the dirt floor of a chicken farmer who over the course of, I don't remember exact eight, 10 years had planted over a hundred churches. And, and I was just in awe that, you know, here I was with all my, you know, stuff. And this man had, had by the grace of God, led all these people to follow him and uh, was so humble, so biblical. Uh, and so that was kind of the start of this whole you know, exploration of, of what does it look like to see the unreached reach through movements? Wow. I'm just, uh, I've been to Bangladesh and uh, I can just picture that chicken farmer. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was next in your, your development? Yeah, I think, um, you know, my, my wife and I, uh, after having that experience going through perspectives, we said, man, I, I, we, we kind of, you know, after hearing God's heart for all the peoples of the world, and finding out some of the stats where people go and don't go, we thought, man, well, I think we're going to go. And um, and we were really on our way to Pakistan. And we had a guy that had actually uh, done the whole kind of A to Z, the new tribe missions thing in, in Papua New Guinea. And after interacting with us a few times, he actually said, I think you guys are wired in such a way that your most strategic role would actually be here to stay and mobilize others to go to the unreached, which was really a little bit disheartening. It was a, it was a pretty big shift because we had even told our families we're, we're going to not be here, you know, for the next several Christmases. And, and, uh, and, and I remember asking him specifically and just saying, well, well, how will we know if this is what God has for us? And he said these words that I'll never forget. He said, you'll look back at the wake of your life and you'll see if people are being mobilized long-term uh, to the unreached. And, you know, it's very biblical. A, a tree is known by its fruit you know, and, uh, and so we started this, this kind of mobilization, uh, toward, um, movement journey and started learning more about movements and, and then started trying to just do it right here, grassroots. And, and we said, man, what if we could here in America because of our college ministry background, we had met all these folks who had these big desires to change and affect the world. Mm. And then we'd been among the unreached and so there was great resource and great need. And we felt like, hey, there's a, a piece of the pipe that's missing here. And so we started this, you know, uh, what was that, 13, 14 years ago, we started this organization 
uh, called Launch Global in order to kind of be that conduit, that connector. You know, um, we, we joked and call, called ourselves the e-harmony of the missions world at the beginning um, <laughs> and said, we're going to take these, you know, fiery 20 somethings mm. and, and get them to the unreached. But what we realized pretty soon, Steve, was that just um, sending people from America to the unreached isn't going to see anything much change because most folks, I don't want to say this very carefully in an honoring way, but most folks don't know how to make disciples, let alone start to think about movements among people. And so we said, uh, as we began to learn about what God was doing around the globe and has been doing for a long time and has been doing ever since the scriptures, we said, man, I think it's these movement things. So what are the basic principles that we could begin to help people learn and actually practice here in America for a season, one, two, three years before they go and try to do it there. You know, it makes sense that if you're going to be a surgeon, you should go to school and actually learn from surgeons how to be a surgeon or the army, you know, is another great, you know, you have a boot camp. And so we said, what, it, what would it look like to have these nine month training groups where we had a very hands-on experience where we taught people how, what does it look like to abide deeply? What does it look like to cry out to the Lord of the harvest morning after morning after morning for our own neighborhoods? What would it look like to begin to take people out with us, train other believers to share their faith? Some of these basic movement principles. And so by God's grace, that's what, you know, we, we kind of joke and we say we we're doing a little less wrong every year. Um, and uh, but that's what we've, we've been on that journey for the last, you know, 13, 14 years. OK. And just what does that nine months look like? Yeah, you know, if I, if I look about, you know, um, I, I, I think about maybe a few things just kind of being uh, uh, central um, in, in that. Uh, the first one I already mentioned, just this deep sense of abiding. Every worker that I've talked to from overseas uh, has said your relationship with Christ, which is more than just your morning quiet time, right? Uh, but this real John 15 sense of understanding what what is surrender and receiving from Jesus look like. That's central to everything that we're trying to teach because your identity can't be in the fact that you're going. Uh, your identity has to be in the fact that you're his first, you know, otherwise, if you don't do so well, whatever that means, or you don't start a movement uh, that doesn't leave you in a very good place. And so that abiding is central. Uh, maybe the next piece would be prayer. And, um, you know, when, when we have these shorter training groups that are just 10 weeks long. So in those, we're just calling people to an hour of prayer a week for the loss. But in these nine month groups, we're trying to say, if, if you're serious about starting a movement of the gospel among Hindus or Muslims in India, mm-hmm. that's going to take more than an hour of prayer. It's going to take hours of prayer. Mm-hmm. And so and so what does it look like to commit together as a group four, five, six mornings a week to dive into crying out for both the unreached world, but also the harvest that's right among us. Uh, so abide, prayer, we do a, a good chunk on character development. What, is, what does it look like for you to you know, walk in your singleness or deal uh, with conflict in your marriage or how do you parent? And then, and then maybe the last piece would be this kind of core task of, of what does is, what is movement really look like? What are the principles? What's the difference between uh, CPM and DMM and T for T and all these different, you know, names. And, and so we start, and, and I would say we, we, we are definitely not a finishing school. You know, we're, we're mm-hmm. like the, maybe the high school or the 
college prep, getting folks ready, kind of this idea of doing it here first, but then really looking to the folks over there to continue that, that, that work. And so we give them the vocabulary. We start to put some of these things so that they've actually done them here uh, with each other. Uh, they've trained some other folks in them. You know, one of the parts of this nine months is they actually grab some of their friends from their local church, which we stay very connected to. And, and they train folks to do the same things that they've been taught. And so now we're really living in that kind of be Barnabas mindset of doing it with people and then entrusting it to other believers. And that's the way that at least the movements that I've read of and that you've wrote of, that's the way these things start. It's through this idea of training and training and training and training. And so that's even uh, a significant part of these nine months. They're still doing all the other things in life because we, we actually want there to be a little bit of a pressure cooker. It's so hard to replicate what life is among the unreached peoples, right? Mm-hmm. I would say this pandemic is one of God's graces in this pandemic is it's shown us what it's like to live among the unreached world. And, 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 and we can unpack that, but you know, where there's, where there's, you know, as Joshua project would define it less than 2% followers of Jesus, right. Uh, where there's no access to the gospel um, as compared to the places that you and I live where there's still gospel need, but people have access to the gospel, whether it be through us or radio stations or, you know, the, the churches that, that we, we are a part of. And, uh, but we're talking about life among the unreached and this, this pressure cooker. And so we want that, you know, the, the pandemic has been helpful. Uh, I've had several people that have lived overseas and I've said, is this kind of the constant pressure that you live under? And they said, yes, you don't know what's going to be at the grocery store. You don't know what the government's going to do. You don't know what the rules are. The rules are ever changing. You have conflicting, you know, reports of what's true. And, and they said it's really similar. And so what we're, what we're trying to do, though, is, um, uh, is, is, is get them to live in those practices uh, so that they can do those uh, overseas. And it really forces priori- prioritization um, because the, 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 the banal things in life have to get pushed out. If we're praying, uh, you know, almost every morning and we're going out multiple weeks in the evening, they have to decide what to do with their their kids sporting events or their their Netflix crushes or their, you know, whatever the things are. And I have time wasters in my life. You know, how much of my time should go towards I like working out versus I committed to this group under the Lord to see if we could maybe the beginnings of a church happen in our neighborhood. And so these this priority of of God's kingdom priorities versus the normal kind of ebb and flow of the no, no, whatever the normal Christian life is, they're, they're in a healthy tension. And it's a beautiful thing because those tensions won't go away when they go overseas. They'll still be there. And we want to grab a group of people committed to this, this core task of seeing churches, multiplying churches planted and that takes a different lifestyle than the ones that we're living before we enter into this into this mm. this task. So, how do you find people who are willing to sign up for the nine months? Yeah, uh, maybe I, maybe I can tell a story. I can tell um, uh, you know Matt and Erica's story. Um, you know, they they were actually a part of a church. I'll go back a little further. A part of a church that really didn't believe in. I don't know if they'd say it quite that boldly, but when it came down to it, didn't really believe in sharing the gospel. And so they started attending our church. I, you know, I'm on staff with the Austin Stone here in Austin. 
And uh, they started attending our church, hearing about proclaiming the gospel, being a part of a gospel community uh, and, and the needs of the unreached world. And even the fact that we need people to go to the world. And, and they said, number one, we know we need to make disciples. And that was part of their, you know, getting out of that previous church and becoming a part of our greater body. And they said, we need that. We, we really need this community of practice because we're not sure what to do. And it's not because, you know, these folks are in their mid 40s. They have four kids, two teenagers, two junior hires and, um, you know, very successful career. He's got his MBA. He's worked for the same company for 16, 17 years. And uh, but he's saying, I know I need an example. And so once a year in, in our church and there's other churches that we run the same play with, we kind of make this call across the church. For people to who are interested in going to the world or wanting to make disciples to jump into these 10-week kind of training groups. And he said, we're going to jump in. So they jump in, they start making, you know, they start some of these principles of praying for the lost and sharing their faith. And they're doing that alongside their leader. It's not a group where you come and get told, but in a Mark 3.14 uh, way where it says Jesus, you know, he appointed the 12 and then they went with him. And then he sent them out. That with factor, I feel like, is what we often skip um, is we don't people we, we, we cast vision, but we don't show people how to actually do it. And, and we miss the ways of Jesus. And so in, in our 10 week groups and our nine month groups, it's very much a come with me and experience. Watch me. I'll, I'll do the first conversation or two and then you do it you know, and then I'll give you some feedback. And then, and then I want you to not just take it. I want you to then and go and multiply it in others' lives. And so Matt and Erica, they started doing that. We said, Hey, why don't you jump into one of these nine month groups, which means you need to go ahead and leave. Uh, you need to move into a certain part of town because everybody that's in these nine month groups, we, we have a little joke that says, if you can't move across town, then you can't move across the world. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And so Matt and Erica moved out of their house they'd lived in for 16 years. Uh, it was a significant, you know, and they put it up for rent. They didn't know what God was going to do. And they jump into our nine-month group, and we, and we dive into these same principles that we were talking about before of, you know, abiding in prayer and sharing our faith and, and what is, you know, these core principles of movement. Uh, and just that year, just like um, all the other years, by God's great grace, we see some people come to Christ, uh, some of them international, some of them Texan. And, and then we start to walk through what does discipleship look like? And then, you know, you fast forward the story another year later uh, or not even a year later. And, and we say, you know, OK, how are Matt and Erica wired? What are their giftings? And then we actually uh, have kind of taken back a little bit of that from the agency and said, man, these are the teams that are, are movement oriented because all of the teams in any given agency, it doesn't matter if it's Frontiers, Pioneers, Crew, why, whoever it is. All teams are not created equal. And I say that very graciously because they've made huge sacrifices to live overseas. But we want to find teams that are, are living in these same principles. And so we, as the mobilization team of our church, actually vet and just say, these are the teams we're going to send people to from these different organizations. So we kind of start with the team, not the agency. And so we found this team in the Middle East that fit their giftings and had good um, options for their kids to jump into. And, they, and they've lived there for the last, I think they're going on their third year. And uh, what's fun is this team was already living in movement practices. Uh, Matt got to jump in and, 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 and help coach this Pakistani believer who was running multiple. He was actually had 10 different leaders that were all running groups in labor camps uh, right there in the Middle East. 
And, and then he's uh, starting to train. And what's fun about the city he's living in is a very multicultural city. Um, and, and he's working in a Filipino church, uh, uh, you know, uh, a kind of a Central African church, a Ugandan church. He's working in East African churches and, and Indian churches. And he's training, training, training. All the while, he's doing it with him. And, t- and, and he's got his own 411. And he's running Iron on Irons and com- creating communities of practice. And so it's, 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 it's the incredible, it's the best part of mobilization for me. Uh, you know, is getting to see folks that we got to we got to be a very small part of their story on the front end now living out and pushing forward the kingdom of God uh, and seeing, you know, the unreached reached with the good news of Jesus. So and you're doing this uh, launch global does this in partnership with some key local churches like Austin Stone. It's a movement focused church. So yeah. what does that partnership look like with with the um, the sort of, I don't know, base churches that you're working yeah. with. Yeah, oh, that's great. You know, when we actually started uh, um, all, all those years ago, we started just more like a, a normal parachurch group does, who's passionate about whatever apostolic passion they're passionate about. And, um, but, but about a year before we came down to Austin, which was nine years ago, so about 10 years ago, the Lord really dinged us on the head. And he said, you need to love my bride. Um, and we weren't outright speaking against but we were doing what I feel like a lot of folks do, which is kind of like poke and prod at the bride. And, and we kind of wink and, you know, we, we make a little fun and, oh, you know, th- that's just the church. And, and really a, a huge spirit of conviction um, came down on us uh, about a year before we moved here. And, and God just said, that's my bride and you need to love her and care for her. It's easy to tear down. What, what my desire is for you is to build her up and make her into as beautiful as she can be. And so then God provided, you know, six months later, this opportunity with the stone. And, and uh, we jumped in here as kind of an experiment to see if we could basically kind of hide Launch Global in a sense in the local church and let Launch Global be the mobilization, the long-term mobilization arm of the church. And so, you know, I'm, when people look at me, most of the people that are a part of our church don't even know what Launch Global is. And we have, you know, we have about 18, 19 different churches that we have that same thing from, uh, you know, Park Community Church up in Chicago to, you know, uh, smaller churches. We have two church plants in Birmingham, Alabama that we're working with to larger churches in, in Dallas. And so all across, you know. And, and so, but it's this, we call it the embedded model where Launch Global really disappears because we don't care about a name. What we care about is Jesus being worshiped and getting the worship that he deserves. And the people are in the churches and there's churches out there, Stephen, you, you, you speak a fair amount, you've met them and they have a deep desire to send their people to the nation, specifically to the unreached. But oftentimes if here's the vision that they have, and here's the kind of the infrastructure, the pipeline, this piece is often missing. And it was, it was kind of that way with, with the Austin Stone and other churches that we've since partnered with, is that the vision was there, but this was very murky. And, and, and by God's grace, these, these training groups that we've been running um, up in uh, the state called Iowa, um, uh, up near Chicago, up in, in the north of the United States, um, uh, was, was the guy that was here before me. Uh, who was really the, the mastermind behind this model in a lot of ways, said, what if you came and put these training groups, this infrastructure into the local church that already has the vision? You don't have to bring the vision, 
You just have to help us train these folks as they're being sent out. And so we tried it. And after a couple of years, Steve, and, and the big one I think that we had to lay down was the identity of Launch Global, which we didn't really care about at the beginning anyways. Uh, and really, I think finding the, the right churches to partner with. Um, it's, there's a big difference between our churches about the nations and we, we specifically want to send people long-term to plant movements among the unreached. Those are two very different things. And so finding the right churches has been key and we haven't always done the best job, but, but that gives you at least a picture of, you know, so we have, you know, uh, uh, you take Chicago, they've got, I think, six people up at Park Community Church that are counted as staff. Their, their, their boss, they kind of have two bosses. They have a boss on the launch global side and they have their mission pastor. And both of those are speaking in, but the default is always to the local church. Um, and that's the thing that, that is probably unique about, uh, and again, I'm not trying to make this about, you know, the model, but, but, but defaulting and saying local church, what we desire is for you to own the task of mobilizing to the unreached. It's yours. So, so take it, own it. And, and there's churches out there that want to, they just need that. A lot of times they just need that infrastructure piece. Have you got any idea roughly how many workers have been launched into uh, unreached fields? By God's grace, over the last you know, 12, 13 years, we've seen over 600 people uh, sent to the unreached. And, uh, and again, it's been a progression. You know, um, I think that when we first started, we weren't looking as specifically for movement teams. We just were happy with getting people among the unreached, and that was success. But I think as we learned more and more, what is it really going to take to see people with no access? You know, Paul so beautifully un- describes unreached peoples and the lack of access in, in, in Romans 15 uh, and what it means to not build on another man's foundation, that in order for that to go from having no access to to seeing all those people worship Jesus as a whole ethnic, as a whole people group, it really is going to take a movement. And so I would say over the course of those 12, 13 years, God has really shifted our, and is continuing. You know, we're learning things from people um, all the time, both from the DMM and the CPM side and saying, how do we get more of these principles and practices into? And, 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 then, and then I think we're sending as well, Steve, when we first started sending, we were sending more of a Paul type person, thinking that they had to do all kind of the zero to one, the groundwork, right? Um, and, and it's just, it's, I, I personally think I'm going to overstate this to make the point. I don't think that's a very wise way to send anymore. You, you take Thailand, for example, with 75 million people or so, there's, there's 400,000 believers in Thailand. And so when we sent our team uh, five years ago into Thailand, we, we said, we're going to focus on the loss, but we're going to do it through the local church, even though it's really small. And we're going to earn trust with that local church, no different than we have here, more of this embedded model. And we're going to, we're going to learn language still, but we're going to come alongside. We're going to find the churches that have a heart already for the unreached peoples of their own country. And we're going to come alongside, and, and many of them aren't that different than our churches, where they, they have a vision, they want to reach the unreached, but actually training people how to make disciples and, and enter into a field, share the gospel, disciple, plant churches. Th- those things are maybe not as clear. And so what our team has done is has come alongside it and embedded in several of these key churches. 
and and is working alongside the Thai church right now. And even just, and it's really just been in the last two and a half, three years, they've, they've seen uh, like 18 different churches planted in just really in a three years time, mm. which that, that may not be a, a, a big number, but that's how these things start. You know, oh, it's a big and, number and, in Thailand. And, it's been a, and, and a, it's a huge field. number in Thailand. And the best thing is our team hasn't been the main church planner. It's been the Indonesian uh, woman, uh, sorry, Indonesian, the, the, the Thai woman that's been the, the, the primary planter. And our folks are simply coaching and training. And they're, they've got this Barnabas mentality where they're behind her and helping her raise up more indigenous Pauls because the indigenous Pauls are already there. And I would just say uh, for the Austin Stone and most of the churches that we work with, the folks that are seeing the most traction have this kind of movement Barnabas training mentality where they're not going in and trying to do the zero to one work, you know, the, the grassroots evangelism. They're, they actually are doing it, but the difference is they're doing it with Go back to that Mark 3.14. They're doing it with the, 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 the local believer right beside them. And they're learning and they're teaching them because then when pandemics or visa issues or whatever comes and our Western Westerners get kicked out like they have or been called home by their agencies, the local workers still there doing the work. And they're, they're, they've always been the head from the very beginning. So that's some of the exciting things that by God's grace we're getting to see. So you're, you're not only mobilizing from your home base, but then in the receiving nations, you're setting up churches that are mobilizing uh, yes. for the Great Commission. I, I would imagine not just for their own nation and people, but even for other unreached nations and peoples. Yeah, the Southeast Asia team is a great example. You know, what's fun is you've, for these guys, especially, they find they there are indigenous Pauls, whether whatever the country is that are already there and their vision typically is bigger than yours. Right. And, and they because it's their people, it's their region. And so their heart burns so much more than yours could ever know. And it burns in an occult, a culturally appropriate way. And they've got contextualization pretty figured out because they are them, you know. Um, and if they're not from that exact people group, they're from the people group right next door. And, and so this is, this, is, this is how I think, by God's grace, the Great Commission is going to be finished, is, is the, the Westerner has a part still. We still need more laborers. And I think that would be my plea to, to folks that are, are doing movement uh, in a Western context, in their own context. I know your city still has unevangelized people. But the need comparison to the unreached people, it, it's not even close. You know, you might have, you know, uh, a 10,000 ties or even 100,000 ties. But what's that compared to 75 million ties in Thailand? And I, I know not everybody has that, that calling to go overseas. I'm not saying that. But I, I wish that we would more often in, in, in these circles talk about have you prayed and fasted and really begged the Lord and said, why would I not go to South Asia, to India, to Indonesia, to the Middle East, to North Africa? Why would I not? Should I go? That's typically the wrong question. If we if we look at the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, God's heart for all peoples is so clear. And that's not happened yet. 
And we have these unreached peoples. And, and so our primary task, just like Paul unpacks in, in, in Romans 15, is to see all these peoples who he's already bought worship him. And so I think every believer needs to wrestle on a regular basis. You know, so all these churches that we partner with, Steve, on, a, on an annual basis, they to their whole congregation, just like we do at the stone, um, we say we want everyone to wrestle with should I why would I not go? Not should I go, but why would I not? And every year in, in different churches, you know, from St. Louis to Lynchburg, Virginia, to Birmingham, to Phoenix, um, uh, we see people start to raise their hand and say, I don't know if I'm supposed to go or not, but I'm willing to take the next step. And they join these communities of practice. And, and no matter what happens, we get more laborers, folks with a, 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 an end goal in mind that, that love Revelation 7, 9 and want to give their life to it. So, okay. When we're looking, when we're talking about partner churches, looking for uh, th- three main things. Number one is the senior leadership on board. Do they want to actually send to the unreached long-term? And, and we'll take send to the nations in a general sense, if that's, you know, what we can get, but they have to be okay with their people. It's going to, it's going to cost them. Launch Global mobilizers will raise their own funds, so they don't have to pay us, but it is going to cost them leaders. Are they willing to, to say yes to those sacrifices, to send some of their best, you know, to the unreached? Number two, do they have a mobilizable population? And for us, what we've found is typically 20 to 35 is the most mobilizable. That doesn't mean older folks like me, I'm, you know, young 40s can't go or, you know, in your stage of life, Steve, can't go. You can, but the most mobilizable, least complicated folks are the 20 to 35. So do they have that population in their church? And then is it fluid? So a lot of times when I say, is it fluid, is there some change in it? So a lot of times for us, that means either college town or larger city. Because that means that folks are going to be coming in and out of their church, and that means there's new folks to mobilize regularly. Um, the third thing would be, and this is one kind of the hardest to quantify, is is there a felt need? Um, does the church re- um, realize that there's something lacking between the vision to send and them actually sending? So do they realize that their pipeline, they may or may not have one, but it's not what it could be. And would they be okay with a team of mobilizers, uh, maybe coming partly from their own church and partly from outside that we would help provide and a given structure? You know, we've kind of got something that, and I'm not saying it's going to work forever, but some we've, we've, we've seen some traction by God's grace, you know? Um, and so are they okay with us bringing and implementing this and then allowing that to be our primary job? And so when our, you know, we send a team to St. Louis of, of, of three, of three folks, they're not going to do short-term trips. They're not going to do member care. They're not going to, these things are important, but that's not why they're there. They're going to do just specifically recruiting and training the long-term mobilization. And so is the church okay with that? Um, so that's kind of what makes, uh, that, that's kind of the church that we're, we're looking for. And what sort of people are you looking for? Number one, uh, we're looking for an, a real openness to go. Uh, you know, uh, we'd say you have to be at least 51% not seeing yourself in America long term or, you know, Australia or wherever, you know, your context is. Could you see yourself 
picking up and moving to the unreached world. There has to be a real, and, and the way that we do that, that we kind of gauge that is, is we say in order to be a part of one of these nine month groups, you have to move into our neighborhood. And so that, that kind of, that's a pretty high bar, right? Um, uh, you have to move, especially, you know, the, the, if you're married, it's one more level of complication. If you're married with kids, even more. And so, but that has been a good litmus test for us to see, is this the kind, right kind of person? Um, and, then, and then we do want to look at a little bit of a track record. This is what we figure out. There's lots of ways you could figure it out. But is there an openness to learn and really jump into this task of making disciples and praying and, and learning what it means to get to church and multiplying church? Is there a teachable spirit there or do you kind of have it all figured out already? You know, um, uh, and, and then and then and then third, just a real openness to 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 say Galatians 2.20. My, my life's not my own. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ within me. And so my life really is on the altar. And that that relates to the first one. But is do we get this strong sense that as God moves, because really the nine month process is just about is just as much about helping them decipher or hear where is the spirit moving? I, and it's not it's not just the wind if you go overseas. We have good friends, Adam and Laura, who live seven miles from here, who went through a training group, and we discerned with them that it wasn't the best for them to go. And it's not that they failed. They're still a part of, and they formed a, a disciple-making team right in their neighborhood, and they're making the disciples, and they're still about the unreached world right here from Austin. And that's a win just as much. But there was an openness they were willing to, to put their lives on the altar and say, God, you direct. Um, and so those would be some of the core things that we're, we're looking for. Well, if you're enjoying the Movements podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. It really helps. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements podcast. <laughs>